After the proclamation of God's word, let us sing from Psalm 73, the stanzas 8 and 9, a psalm which speaks eloquently of the nearness of the Lord our God. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible speaks about the ascension of Jesus Christ. We read one passage from John 13 and 14, where Jesus speaks about leaving his disciples and going, and we understand that he went in due time to his Father in heaven. Acts chapter 1 is another well-known passage about the ascension of of Jesus Christ. The ascension of Jesus Christ is also then mentioned, and again you might expect that, in the Confessions. The Apostles' Creed, we hope to sing a rhymed version of that this afternoon, and the Catechism, Lord's Day 18. Did you realize that the ascension of Jesus Christ is also mentioned in the church order? Church order is tucked away in the back of the Book of Praise. And if you turn there, page 656, you'll notice, and it's worth taking note of, that the church order mentions the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's in Article 53, Days of Commemoration, is the title. And there... As churches, we agree to the following. Article 53. Each year the churches shall, in the manner decided upon by the consistory, commemorate the birth, death, resurrection, here it comes, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as his outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now what is... Noteworthy about this short little article of the church order is that each one of those acts of the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation is mentioned in a row without emphasizing one over the other. They just come in a list. Birth, we remember that at Christmas time. Death, Good Friday. Resurrection, Easter Sunday, and the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not one of them is in bold print. Not one of them is highlighted by italics or has a special underlining. All in a row, all equal weight, because, brothers and sisters, each one has its own special blessing and benefit for us. And so, even though... It may happen that some of the feast days receive a little bit more attention around us in the world than the other. Of course, the biggest being Christmas. Everyone knows when Christmas is coming. But for us, as God's people, the ascension of Jesus Christ is just as big a blessing. It's just as much a reason to celebrate as the birth of Jesus at Christmas time. And among the many blessings that we receive from his ascension into heaven, 
The Catechism lists at least three of them. There is also this one, that is, if you have ever struggled with loneliness of any kind or sort, then the ascension of Jesus Christ is an immensely comforting truth. At first, that may not seem to fit together so directly. You may say the ascension, the ascension is about Jesus Christ leaving. It's about him going up into heaven and us still being here on earth. So how could that possibly help us when we feel alone or lonely? And yet you notice that the catechism, even though it fully acknowledges in the first question and answer that Jesus Christ went up into heaven before the eyes of his disciples, yet really, at the heart and the soul of this Lord's Day is the emphasis, answer 47, that Jesus Christ is still very much with us. He's with us even as he promised with respect to his divinity. And if that is not enough, then also his majesty added to that, his grace. And finally, if that is not comforting enough, then also his spirit. By putting those four together, divinity, majesty, grace, and spirit, never absent from us, we have here a truth that is extremely comforting to us all when we may deal with various feelings of loneliness. And so, we look at it more closely this afternoon following this main thought. Christ ascended to his Father in heaven, but he is never absent from us. And he is with us with respect to his divinity, his majesty and grace, we'll pull those together, and then finally, his spirit. Let's begin with a very straightforward question. If someone would ask, where is Jesus now? What should you answer? In line with answer 46, the answer is quite clear. Jesus Christ is in heaven. That Christ, before the eyes of his disciples, was taken up from earth into heaven. So, to make it very plain and simple, you would say, where's Jesus? He's there. He's there, up in heaven, at the right hand of his Father. And then, of course, someone might follow up and say, well, if he's there, then he's not here. He's not here on earth where we live and work. And normally speaking, that would be the case with any other person, right? You can be there or you can be here, but you can't be there and here at the same time. You could take a trip to British Columbia and visit perhaps some friends or relatives in the Fraser Valley. You could be in Langley, you could be in Abbotsford, or you can be here at home in Elora. But you can't be in Abbotsford and Elora at the same time, can you? And so people might naturally think about Jesus Christ in the same way. If he's there, 
in heaven, he's not here. Or if he's here, then he's not there. But you see, what applies to every other person does not apply in the same way to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the special. He is the entirely unique person who is both God and man at the very same time. So for him, the answer is different. He can be there and he can be here at one and the same time. And you may say, but that doesn't make sense. Miracles are often beyond what we can figure out. And this just as much as the birth or the death or the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ is, brothers and sisters, a miracle. When people say, how is that possible? That God, the Son of God, was born as a baby. How can God be born as a baby? I just can't figure that out. No, it it doesn't make sense to our human minds. But that's the miracle that we celebrate at Christmas. Or Good Friday coming up soon enough. Someone might say, how can he who is God die? God can't die. How do you think that through? Well, that's all part of the miracle of Good Friday. How does someone who is really dead, even to the point of being buried, come back to life? It's another miracle. How can Jesus be there and here, one and the same time, one more miracle for us and our salvation? The miracle is this. When you think about, when you speak about Jesus Christ as God, he's very much here with respect to his divinity. But when you speak about Jesus referring to his human nature, the fact that he's man, he's very much there in heaven. That being the case, brothers and sisters, you may wonder, But why does the catechism have to go into this much detail? About Christmas, Lord's Day 14, it's just a few lines. But here we have no less than four question and answers, and some of them, as the catechism students will surely know, rather long ones as well. Why so much detail about human nature, divine nature, and not separated from each other, but divinity beyond his human nature, at a certain point it all seems a little bit complex. The reason for the detail, brothers and sisters, is that both the Roman Catholic Church, and in a slightly different way, the Lutheran Church, teach that so far as his human body, his flesh and blood is concerned, Jesus Christ even after he ascended, is still very much here on earth. And it's all tied to, we call the Lord's Supper, they would call it the Eucharist or the Mass, 
The Roman Catholics and the Lutherans both teach that so far as his physical flesh body is concerned, Jesus Christ is there, right at the front of the church building. But again, you may ask, okay, but do we have to spend this much time on it in the catechism? Well, these things, brothers and sisters, can have big and also serious implications. The fact that the Roman Catholic Church teaches that Jesus physically is there at the front of church has a big implication, which is as follows. This afternoon, let's hear it from a former Roman Catholic priest himself. This is what he once wrote. The priest said, and I quote, People have often asked me, Was it possible that you sincerely believed that the wafer, the little piece of bread, could be changed into God by you? And did you really worship that wafer as your savior? The former priest, a few sentences later in his book, wrote, and I quote, To my shame, I must say, yes. And then he adds, a few sentences later, again I quote, In fact, I had been guilty of the most outrageous act of idolatry. You see how one thing led to the next. Because he believed, at least while he was still a Roman Catholic church because, uh, priest, because he believed that Jesus was really physically there, he had to worship the presence of Jesus. And by worshiping the presence of Jesus, as he thought, he ended up worshiping a piece of bread. And when he finally saw that this was wrong, he came to the realization that he had been guilty, again, quote, of an outrageous act of idolatry. You see, brothers and sisters, some of these, what we might call at certain times, finer points of doctrine. Some of these parts in the catechism that seem to be very particular. It's not for nothing. No one, not this former Roman Catholic priest either, wants to end up committing idolatry. Far from it. But then the doctrine is very important. Not only to avoid sin, but also to receive the blessings, the comfort that the Lord Jesus Christ has intended for us. Because this is the other side. If you think that physically, so far as his human nature, his body is concerned, Jesus is there at the front of the church building, then if you want to be near Jesus, if you want to feel the presence of Christ, your Savior, where do you go? Well, you go to church because he's there, you see? 
And when that receives the attention, when that receives the emphasis, then you might also feel that when you're not here in a church building, but you're off at work or traveling somewhere or at school, then you are farther away from Jesus Christ, your Savior. But this is why Lord's Day 18 says, No. Remember, Jesus is this very special, unique person. He is true man, but he is also true God. And that means you could be here in church, you could be at home, you could be at work, you could be at school, you may have to travel somewhere for hours and hours on a plane for work or visiting. You could be off walking on some trail in the forest, or you could be in the middle of a hubbub of a busy elementary school. Everywhere, Jesus Christ, your Savior, so far as his divinity is concerned, he is with you. He is just as close to you when you're here as when you're there. And that's immensely encouraging to each one of us also when we experience lonely moments. And loneliness is not something that is just for certain people. It's true, when someone's spouse dies and they become either a widow or a widower, they have to deal with loneliness. And until you would experience this for yourself, not one of us can fully understand what that is. To be married, to go through good days and bad days together, but then one day your husband's no longer there at your side, your wife is no longer there. You can't fully know what that's like unless you go through it yourself. Some of the hardest times, though, are when you have to pray as a widow or a widower. Then you really feel it. For so many years, you prayed there together. The table, master bedroom, and then... He's not there anymore. She's not there anymore to pray with. It really hits, and it also hurts. But if we only think that it's widows and widowers that have to go through something like this, it's not true. Think also about those who have never been married. Maybe they wish they were married. Maybe they are content being single. But in either case, when there's even lots of people around, sometimes the loneliness hits. Perhaps everyone is talking about married life and children, and it's not a blessing that the Lord has given you, at least not at this particular time. 
And you, you think that through, and you may have even prayed it through, but there's still days that it hits you. But if you think loneliness is limited to that, it's not. Even those who are married can have moments of loneliness. Perhaps husband, hubby, dad is out for yet another evening, yet another meeting, and mom is at home with the children. Or even when everybody's together in the house, and maybe there's a certain tension in the air. There can be all kinds of people around. The table is full. But still, in the heart, there's a certain loneliness. Things are not as good as they could be. Children. Children experience loneliness sometimes too. Even if they're in the midst of family life, even if it's good family life, but maybe they're on the playground. For whatever all reasons, they're not part of the soccer game or the play for that day. There they stand, Johnny or Jane, a little bit off to the side, and not quite knowing exactly how to handle the emotions, but little Johnny or Jane is actually feeling quite lonely. There are all kinds of different lonelinesses, brothers and sisters. And whether you're a boy or a girl, or a young adult, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're a widow or a widower, Whatever situation, brothers and sisters, even if the circumstances are such that there are people around, even maybe lots of people, but you see the thing is this, loneliness is not just in the circumstances around, it's an ache. It's an ache inside, in the heart. And this is the comfort of the ascension of Jesus Christ, that even though... You can't see Jesus sitting beside you, walking beside you, because so far as his human nature is, he's not here. He's there in heaven beside the Father. But even though so far as his human nature is concerned, he's not there beside you. He is here with you. Every moment, playground, kitchen, off at the job site, traveling far away from family, he's always there with you. And when you offer up that prayer, expressing what's on your heart, even if it's not easy to put into words, you know that the Father knows. You see, so far as his divinity is concerned, he's here with us all the time, So far as his human nature, he's there at the Father's right hand, but he's there busy for us here. Because every prayer you pray, it goes through Jesus Christ to the Father. And Jesus Christ knows exactly what it's like to be down here. And if somebody knows what it is to be lonely, somebody knows what it is to be lonely, even when there are people all around, Jesus Christ knows exactly what that's like. 
and he brings every prayer of gratitude or anguish to the Father in heaven, you know you're heard, and that helps. Still, you may say, yes, that's good, but as I live life, it's easy to forget, and we're so much people of sight, and we don't see Jesus Christ. No. But we can see something of his majesty. Majesty, brothers and sisters, is splendor. Majesty is brilliant glory. And Jesus Christ also shows us something of his majesty in what we see all around us. Colossians chapter 1 speaks about the work of Jesus Christ from the right hand of the Father. And there we read in verse 17, Christ is before all things, he's eternal, And now the phrase that we need to pay attention to, and in him all things hold together. No exception. All things hold together in Jesus Christ. And that includes springtime. When you see, over the coming weeks, brothers and sisters, the buds, the leaves starting to come out, when you see the flowers, the bulbs picking out from the ground and slowly growing and then coming out into flower. When you hear more and more the birds singing, making their nests in the springtime, each one of these things that we celebrate about the splendor, the glory, the majesty of springtime, they are all Colossians 1.17 held together in Jesus Christ who rules over everything from his ascended position next to the Father. No, you can't see Jesus. But if you open your eye and you look around, if you open up your ears and you hear the sounds of creation, there's not a day that goes by, brothers and sisters, where you do not see with your own two eyes something of the majesty of Jesus Christ all around. And just as surely as his majesty is all around us, his grace is certainly with us. And we could connect the grace of Jesus Christ to many different things, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, but particularly here, answer 49, the second benefit Let's focus on this one for a moment. We have our flesh in heaven as a sure pledge that he, our head, will also take us, his members, up to himself. This is what Jesus Christ also said at the Last Supper. The disciples were, they were upset. They were concerned that Jesus was going and they, they weren't sure exactly where and, and how would they get there, which was the way. But then Jesus Christ says to them at the beginning of chapter 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and if I prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself, so that I, where I am, you may also be. Physically right now, there's this separation. He's there, we're here. But it's not going to be that way 
forever. And this is the guarantee. This is the pledge, the assurance. Right now, he's there, not just as the ascended Christ, but as head. Head of the church. And we are all the different parts of his earthly body. And you know how it is. If the head goes in one direction, the body must follow. If the head goes in the other direction, the body goes along. It's very simple. You can see it in the mirror. And so it is so simple, so straightforward concerning the ascension of Jesus Christ. He went there as head so that you can be sure that one day you too as a member, as a part of his body, you will go where he is. And when you know where you're going, should you die, that just brings such a deep reassurance into life right now. Even though we may be physically separated from Jesus Christ, so long as we know, brothers and sisters, that we will be, also physically reunited in the life hereafter, we can keep on going from day to day. It's just like a long-distance relationship before marriage. Sometimes that happens. Husband is in one location, maybe even on one side of the ocean, and the bride-to-be, she's on the other side of the country, on the other side of the ocean. It's not easy. To be so many miles apart when you love each other so much. But so long as you know that one day, one day soon, you'll be married and then you'll be together. You can work it through from day to day. And so it is for us with our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Well, with his divinity, his majesty and his grace always with us every day again, we have much but he gives yet one more. And the Spirit is never absent from us. Also mentioned there at the end end of answer 49, he sends us his Spirit as a counter-pledge by whose power we seek the things above. Just before he went to the cross and in due time went to the Father in heaven, Jesus Christ also gave this reassurance to his disciples. It was at the end of the reading, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Also now, 2015, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, you know him, you know the Holy Spirit. And here comes the key part. For he dwells with you and will be in you. There may be days, brothers and sisters, where you may think to yourself, would it not be nice to have Jesus Christ physically here? Would it not be nice? To have dinner with Jesus, just like his disciples did before he went to the cross. Sitting across the table, 
just like you may with friends or family. Would that not be so nice? Well, one day we will sit down at table, the grand wedding feast with the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, this is the great comfort. The spirit of Jesus Christ is not only with us, but you notice how Jesus Christ makes it even more comfortingly intense when he says, for he dwells with you and will be, Pentecost Day, in you. Not just beside you, not just across the table from you, but actually right inside of you, in your heart. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is in us, in our hearts. Right where the ache of loneliness is the strongest. You see what a blessing the ascension of Jesus Christ is? Had he not ascended, he could not have sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is even closer to us than if Jesus was standing right beside you. Because the Spirit dwells right where we struggle the most. And that, brothers and sisters, is a blessing worth commemorating. Amen.